because it's easy for a woman to find herself being lost in a marriage, especially like coming from an Indian society where you're expected to become part of the family and not be an individual identity. There are no wrong choices. And then it's like, okay, but how do I make this like very material decision when I know that none of it really matters? Um, and I told my mom, did not mention marriage to me? At least I'm 26 because I wanted to be independent. And so to me, it was like, okay, like I know heartfulness and this like meditation practice is like fundamental to like my future and how I want to grow and, and learn. So anyone who needs to, who wants to be a part of my life long-term needs to be okay with that. Fast forward to college, you know, these hormones and I just like really want a boyfriend and like anytime I would meet a guy or like some guy was interested in me, just, they, they, like, they were so predictable and boring. And the idea that I have to like play it cool and then like see if they're committed and then like hold mm. back the I love you until like that idea, which I see often with my friends and like in general with modern dating, like really like doesn't make sense to the way I operate. Not only should you be doing something really meaningful, but then you should be seen doing something really meaningful. And especially with social media culture. Oh, we have so many opposites. <laughs> He's a dark chocolate. I'm a white chocolate person. Oh, but thankfully, we don't have to share chocolates. <laughs> it's like, I only did that for her. So that she would like... Excuse me? Woof, woof. Welcome to KanaCast. In this episode, Emma Ivaturi is speaking to Kashish Kalwani and Suraj Segal. Kashish and Suraj have been married since 2021 and are living in the United States. Kashish has a master's in development practices from Emory University and Suraj is doing an MBA from the University of California, Berkeley, Haas School of Business. Both of them are heartfulness trainers. Kana is a very special place for you for various reasons, but you guys were also engaged and married here. Yeah. So how long ago did you meet here? I would say almost four years ago. Um, but the first time we met each other was 2018 August. It was an international youth seminar here. I was volunteering with the social media team and someone reached out to me and said, um, you have to interview these 10 people about like, how are they meditating? What is their practice about? And would just inspire other youth to like practice and try heartfulness. And one of the persons I interviewed was Suraj. And I, I was really blown away by his answers and I was just curious to know more about him. So, Do you remember anything he said? <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking him a question about cleaning. And he mentioned that he's studying international affairs and psychology. And that's what made me want to know more about him. That's it. Do you remember that interview? I, I also remember that I was asked about cleaning and I don't remember <laughs> anything else. Um, but I remember she took down my number and I I was at that time very oblivious. It just like completely went over my head that like that it, it didn't register as anything. And then like we talked a little bit as well after for like a couple months and then lost contact and then were reintroduced to each other as like, hey, like you both are interested in like getting married, like you know, and at that point, she was just like, I know this guy, like, I've read his blog. I was like, she's, she had commented, I, I looked Googled back and I was him. like, yeah, I was like, I, this person has actually read through all my blogs and, like, my Instagram posts and, like, knows, like, knows about things that I think about and, like, cares about that. Yeah. I think I liked him as a person, not necessarily, like, attracted to him, but I just knew that we could be great friends. Um, and so I just wanted to keep in touch, but then we lost touch for a year. 
So it was a pretty soft landing connecting and getting yeah. married. <laughs> but I think I was, I, like, yeah. <laughs> I was just glad to like have him as a friend in my contact list, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is that, you know, we grew up in the West. You grew up here in India. And those of us without Indian parents, the idea of an arranged marriage is a little intense or foreign or strange or alarming. Yeah. And I know I don't, I'm not always forthright about it with people I don't know very well. But I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience with meeting someone and under that circumstance yeah. and how you would context it and how you experience it and what you feel are the benefits of it. I could go on for <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Take lead. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a big one. Cause like I um, was born and brought up in the U S in Atlanta. And so like for me um, and I've, I grew up with just my parents and an only child. So it's like, I, sort of had this, I joke with my parents that I grew up watching like Disney movies, which are all about like breaking off from your parents and doing your own thing and being away from their expectations. And like, and then you go off and do your own thing with your own family and like you win the dog competition or whatever and et cetera. And like the fam fa finally your family like comes and accepts you. And this like sort of very like independent freedom oriented nature. And this idea, like I never would have imagined back in like 2018, when I had gotten my job offer and I started my job in 2019, I never would have imagined that like two years later that I one would have stayed with my parents for a full year and a half because of COVID that I would have gotten engaged with somebody and then agreed that to like live with my parents and her together and envision a life in which like we would all live together with my parents as grandparents and her parents as grandparents, like in the same house at some point like that never, I couldn't have never have said that. Like I would have had that like, thought process but like I've, I've come a long way um I think <laughs> but yeah I think I think like to, to go back to like the arranged portion for me personally um yeah like I, I was never that was never something I thought I would do like I never thought oh I'm gonna do arranged or not arranged like I sort of was just kind of open to see what happened um but I think one thing about like modern dating life that like really frustrated me as a person that like I think through meditation and I became an instructor when I was in college like I I was just really clear about a lot of things like for me it's really important to just know the things that are most important to you and be like very clear about them and then be open to the rest and so to me it was like okay like I know heartfulness and this like meditation practice is like fundamental to like my future and how I want to grow and, and learn so anyone who needs to, who wants to be a part of my life long-term needs to be okay with that. And like that, it doesn't matter whether or not they've been practicing for a while or they're new to it. Like that's just, they need to be okay with me doing sittings and doing sessions and going to group meditations on the weekends and coming to India to this meditation center like multiple times in a year if possible. Um, and I think like the idea of like, I think I would meet, I meet people in general and like can tell pretty quickly whether or not like, I want something longer term with them or not like, oh, we're going to be really good friends or like, oh, you're a really good person, authentic. Like I want to deepen this relationship. And the idea that I have to like play it cool and then like see if they're committed and then like hold mm -hmm. back the I love you until like that idea, which I see often with my friends and like in general with modern dating, like really like doesn't make sense to the way I operate. And so to me, I really like the idea of like we both we don't have to say yes and then like never question it, but it's like have two people who come in 
with the same set of like expectations of like we're both trying to get married and we're both trying to build a family like is can we like do we have enough in common to start building something off of uh, Kashish what about you growing up and it was more in context for you were you sure that you would be having an arranged marriage or it was more of a love marriage kind of atmosphere oh no not at all yeah. <laughs> um there have been plenty of love marriages in my family and i i mean i've been gr i grew up in a joint family so like 20 members living in the same house and i've lived a couple of years abroad um in four different countries by now and so i think it was one of those i was in denmark when i was eight or nine and i once went and told my mom like I was just, I was in a school that was run by Catholic, like the Catholic church. And I just told her like, I want to be a Christian. And she got scared. Like we're going back to India. She needs to know about her culture, her values, where she's growing. <laughs> Next thing I know, we shifted to India. <laughs> and I loved it. I immediately felt I belonged there because I didn't realize like there are people like me who look like me, who celebrate the same festivals as me. Um, the jokes did not have this barrier of language. And I could just like, be trilingual, but also like really like have just have so much fun. However, there were some points living in joint family that did not sit right with me, especially when it comes to like patriarchy and just seeing um, my mom toilet in the kitchen because there are so many other sister-in-laws, right? Like there are 10 siblings and there was like not respect a lot of times. And it's usually like the trauma of your moms that get passed down generations so I did argue with my parents that I do not want to marry <laughs> at all at least till I'm not 25 um, and I told my mom did not mention marriage to me at least I'm 26 because I wanted to be independent set myself up and I was just really repulsed by the idea of marriage simply because I just I didn't see support from husbands in my family um, except I, I mean my dad is my definitely a figure that I look up to because he supported mom a lot and so <laughs> my mom was not happy with that idea. Um, and then I think I was talking to my dad, like, if you were to find a guy for me, um, what would it be like? And he's like, definitely not from our culture. He cannot be Sindhi. And I'm like, thank God. Yes, <laughs> I don't want to marry another Sindhi person. Um, and then slowly when I got into this meditation practice, I just it just felt very natural that it would be nice if there's someone who also meditates because then there's just less things to explain and that person would just get it. Um, fast forward to college, you know, these hormones and I just like really want a boyfriend and like anytime I would meet a guy or like some guy was interested in me, just, they, they, like, they were so predictable and boring. Um, and I was just like, no, I'm sorry. Like you're more like a brother to me, but I'm not interested at all. Um, and then my roommate went through a pretty bad breakup after three years of relationship. And I got very scared thinking like, never dated, never liked a guy. Like I've been attracted, but like they never seem more interesting after the first conversation. Um, nothing too intellectually stimulating. There's no goal in life. What are they looking forward to? And then I just took out my diary and I wrote like, if you're there, God, like help me find a romantic partner. I would be grateful. And then one month later, I come to Kanha with my family and I met Daji. And this is me at 21. He looks at me and I was like, well, I'm going back to Delhi tomorrow. So hope to see you soon. And he's like, 
do you want to get married? <laughs> it was just, no. <laughs> but I didn't say no because my mom had trained me not to say no. <laughs> um, and then Daji's like, well, I there's a nice guy. You don't have to say yes. But if you're interested, I can just introduce you both and then see where it goes from there. And my, the moment my mom heard, she's overjoyed. She's like pushing me, say yes. And then I'm like, I'll think about it. And Daji's like, no, I won't force you. Come to me when you're ready. And that was, that, that was it. That was the seed. And for the next three months, I was tortured. Like, who was that guy? Like, I need to know who that guy was. <laughs> and I think it, in that three months of time, um, I gave up on a lot of these ideas. Like, what is the perfect age to find a guy? What is the perfect family? Do I really need to know him from before? Like, do looks matter to me? Does attraction matter to me? But what matters to me is that someone who I trust, someone who knows me, and someone who knows my heart is trying to find a guy or suggest a guy for me who knows his heart. And I came back in December for my um, training to be a meditation instructor. And I reached out to him like, hey, I think I want to meet the guy. And then he's like, okay. Um, and that's how I got introduced to Suraj. And when I saw Suraj, when I realized it was him, I was like, there was nothing so sure I could be, and it was an immediate yes from me. I don't know if I would have said yes for any other guy. Um, but then I said yes, and my parents didn't know this happened. <laughs> and then Daji's like, do you want to call your parents? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I called, and my mom and dad were, of course, overjoyed. My younger sister was super happy. And for the first time, I just felt like I've, I suck at making decisions. I'm always a very confused person. But if I have ever been sure of saying yes to something, it was to this marriage. Um, and I think life has been happier after that, for sure. It sounded like you both really understood what your deal breakers were or what your set of values were that were very important to have established inside of yourself that those parameters were met upon finding each other. I found with um, an arranged marriage with a spiritual component where yeah. we both have this um, foundation and trust in the spiritual purpose of marriage. That is really the the most important factor that um, it carries you through because it's the entering into a marriage where you understand that the purpose of it is to grow and to evolve. And that means sometimes it's uncomfortable or difficult or... Yeah. hard yeah, of course yeah and so it's not i think the western culture is sometimes when it gets hard you you split or yeah. it's the other person's <clears throat> fault and um i relate to the disney messages we could have a whole conversation <laughs> about that. but that uh you know the the eastern tradition and you know you'll have to explain more about that because i'm coming from the other side is that like there's a container which you enter which is indestructible the, the what you noticed is the um, sometimes the rigidity of that can create a stagnation and stifling. So right. it's this balance of the beauty of entering it together and and allowing it to alchemize for our evolution and then you know the need for it being infused with that mutual spirituality in order to make it work effectively. Yeah. So you both have seen those two sides and it's yeah. really beautiful to see that starting to yeah. blossom with <laughs> over the last <laughs> I remember, years. like, shortly after we, like, officially got engaged, like, it was 
yeah, it, it, we would we were long distance because of COVID for a while, and like we would just have these conversations where I'd she'd say something, and I, and I would say like, oh, like it reminds me of this poem, and I would like pull up a like Gahil Gibran poem from the a book I had, and she's like what are you talking about? And she pulls it up from her desk and she's just like, I was, like, I was just reading like this. That's the one that I like bookmarked. And like, um, and we would, it, it, to me, it was like such a moment of like, I think I truly believe like we can learn to love anybody. And like that it, it was, it was like, we are deciding based off of, you know, we had really good criteria that set a good foundation and trust in a spiritual practice. And even like, you know, our love for Daji and it's like, all of that kind of gave us a safe playground to then move forward and say, okay, now we're like, we know what our outcome is, this like loving family that's growing and evolving spiritually. And like the rest is us learning what we love about each other and learning to love and fall in love with each other uh, versus like having the spark that we start with and then like constantly questioning, is the spark there? Is it gone? Should we leave now? Like it, it felt like, no, no, like we, we know where we're going and now we're just learning like, discovering the journey on the way there tending the embers yeah true i think there's another like two things that are coming to my mind is a thing about trust so i believe like when we talk about marriage it's definitely legally binded but like if you're getting into a relationship and if there's this commitment like you are the one no matter what we will make it work and so approaching at least giving it some time, like, of course, you're going to have differences. You're not going to be same at all. Um, and like, it's, there have been some moments where I totally do not agree with him. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've moved continents, <laughs> I've moved continents, but then like, despite all of that, there are so many other things that I exactly needed in a partner or pushes me to grow or involve, like helps me become a better person. And then, which leads me to the concept of like, does it feel like I'm sacrificing? Um, like I've talked about this with Suraj and quite a lot um, because it's easy for a woman to find herself being lost in a marriage, especially like coming from an Indian society where you're expected to become part of the family and not be an individual identity. So this was like something tricky to me because when you're in the West, a woman's identity is like much more pronounced, like you're a working woman, you're a successful like mother and you have to have your own life and hobbies and going out and like maybe living separate from family. What is this joint family concept? And that did not sit entirely right with me, but also I did not entirely want to become a housewife or like a person at home as well. So I'm still trying to find that balance where I'm not completely losing myself here or there till I met... Um, a dear friend of ours and I was just sharing with him like I want to do something on my own but like why does it feel like I still have to take care of the family and then he's like that's where the west and east conflict comes right and it is okay if you want to lose yourself in family it is okay if you want to find yourself differently but do what like brings you more joy or the way you can express yourself and I just feel happy doing things whether they work out or not because then I just, you know, look life as it's in this whole big picture. Um, like, was I around people who I love, can love? Am I learning every day something new? Am I doing things that bring me joy? Then it doesn't matter, like, if I'm having a very high-paying job or not, if I'm 
traveling or not, if I'm in this place or not, what matters is like people and just joy. And then I'm like, cool, I think that would be a good life then. <laughs> I resonate with that. I realized, you know, we grew up in the West, at least, with this idea of, I, I think we've talked about this before, yeah. not only should you be doing something really meaningful, but then you should be seen doing something really meaningful. And especially with social media culture, there's that pressure to be like, what does that look like? And money. And money. And I, and there's so many factors yeah. to that. And then what you're describing, I feel like I resonate with so deeply. It's this idea that the real work is the inner and interpersonal work. Mm. And I can be doing that work irrespective of what vocation I have. Whatever job or whatever input-output yeah. that is that's on the surface. I mean, not to say it doesn't affect change in the world and it doesn't help inform our sense of identity or it doesn't help align with our interests. There should be some alignment. But at the end of the day, what's really going on? Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, how you might resonate with that having gone through different career and educational <laughs> <laughs> momentum. Oh. <laughs> and as a single boy child. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding um, <laughs> we won't gang up on your shirt <laughs> yeah I, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah I don't know like I'm I think I'm really I, I'm really struggling with this one currently and so I won't yeah I, I tend to say things that, because I think a lot I tend to say things and it seems like I know an answer and so I just don't like this is, um, but where I'm at currently with it is like, yeah, like I've, I think because I grew up with parents that meditated and taught meditation, like I, my sense of authenticity was just like very present. Like I, it's very hard for me to not do something that doesn't feel authentic for better or for worse. Cause I think often with my parents, like that led to situations at home when I was younger where it's like, I'm just not going to do something like I'm, I'm going to be very stubborn about it. I'm going to like criticize them of like, well, you're not living up to your values, like whatever. And I think we all go through that as teenagers, but I had this added layer of like, aren't you like supposed to be spiritual and heartful people? Like, you know, like, I'm, and so like when I, you know, I, I criticized my dad when I was growing up of like, you're doing a tech company that does nothing for the world. Like, and I went full nonprofit. Like I, everything I did in high school and partially in middle school, but like everything I did in high school was like volunteering with nonprofits, working with nonprofits in the area, like doing a lot of fundraising. And then I, in college, it was like doing more like nonprofit consulting, doing food insecurity work. And like, at some point I realized I was asking, spending so much time, like asking people for money that I was like, ah, oh, I should, what if there's a way I can combine both and like actually make money, but help the world. And it's like, I think this is a very classic yeah. this is at any point, like most of my friends that I'm talking to are at some point on this like logical journey. I feel like just because I had a good foundation and parents that had, you know, enough money and privilege that like I could start answering those questions for myself earlier and realize like, I'm not going to be happy unless I physically feel like I'm doing something good. And so that's what got me to the nonprofit. And then it was like, I got to some logical conclusion of like, Nonprofit stuff is funded solely by philanthropists and like those philanthropists make money. So it's like got into consulting, but like government consulting. So it's like, I'm working with government clients. And then I got somewhere along the lines. I was like, oh, like everything is so high level and strategy oriented. I want to be on the ground. So like now I'm going to do my MBA and try to like do something that's like climate and in the startup world. And like, I think the more I grow personally, 
it, 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 I, I faced this a lot with the MBA program because I got into two different programs and I was like interviewing or like a, attending both and like seeing the welcome weekends at both and like trying to make a decision. And like, Kashish would ask me like, she's like, I'm, I'm happy to go wherever. And I'd be like, no, that's not, I don't, I need you to be like the deciding factor because I like feel so content in myself with the overarching philosophy that like no matter what happens things will work out i know myself well enough that i know that like the real challenge is interpersonal that like wherever i go i know that i will make the most of it and i will like find a way to grow and that i'm not choosing between like a war-torn country and like a privileged place i'm choosing between two top 10 MBA programs and like <laughs> one's closer to an airport that's international and one's slightly further away. Like there's not, I'm not really going to make a bad choice, but that made it so much harder to like have the spiritual truth so resonant and forefront in my head of like, there are no wrong choices. And then it's like, okay, but how do I make this like very material decision when I know that none of it really matters? And I think the final part I would say is like, to what you said is like, I'm personally like, because of all of this, have been so like anti so resistant to sharing anything on social media mm. and Kashish will know like my last post was when we got married mm -hmm. which was in 2021 mm -hmm. so it's like I only did that for her so that <laughs> she would like excuse me it would be official so that we could okay, share cool. the stories yeah. and it's yeah. like I knew that I knew that was important to you yeah, so I, I downloaded it <laughs> I posted about it and then I deleted it from my phone because I know it's important to have in the world that we live in but I just don't know how to navigate. Like, I don't like the feeling of I'm sharing something and it's like, who am I sharing it for? And why am I sharing it? And then I get in my head and then no one knows anything about what I'm doing. Well, we met on social media for the first time because I commented on your copper. I was oh, like, yeah. you have beautiful the, copper. How does it And then I realized it wasn't even my... <laughs> It was, like you know, it was a stock image. Oh, really? I thought that was your home. Oh, no, no. It was a stock image, but like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, but the the caption was actually like apart from my blog. Okay. I wanted to share oh. it, but I had no image of utensils that didn't look aesthetic. So I just went, you know, on, I think it was Shutterstock or someplace. I don't know. That it's makes not, me feel yeah. better because <laughs> I do have housewife struggles with like keeping the copper clean. <laughs> yeah. So, so, it's... It's a little too much also. In what in what capacity? Um, I mean, sure, if you have the resources to keep that house clean and good. But I think I've realized over the past few months that a functioning kitchen is much better than a decorative one. Yeah. Because the more things you have for decoration, the more cleaning it involves <laughs> and keeping I'm, up with oof. one. And I don't think it's not my full-time job to keep cleaning and doing and taking stuff. Like, can I just get food for us? that is home cooked, <laughs> ready in 30 minutes and warm and ready to share with 20 people, that's the deal. 20 people? That was just once, but one yeah. <laughs> it's like on a daily basis. <laughs> daily basis, definitely seven. Yeah, okay. I would, <laughs> yeah, I would say like I'm a, I'm, I, I, I'm a social person. <laughs> okay. I'm a social person and I love, ho that, that was one of the things like when we, we had a whole Excel sheet when we first met. Are you serious? Yeah. We do, yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking we should actually like sure. share the template publicly. Oh, yeah. yes. Drop it in the comment. Uh, drop it in the Of course. Yeah, we, I have a shareable template, but like. We'll do it. Um, <laughs> Check it out below. <laughs> I, I had just started consulting and then when we got introduced to each other. And so for me, it was like, I naturally think in PowerPoint and Excel at that point, like a couple months in. And when we were, in, when we were like, okay, like yes, let's pursue this further and like, let's go on the trajectory to getting married. Like, 
immediately I was like, okay, like I know the deal personally of like every relationship is not perfect. Like every relationship has its like ups and downs and like things that you need to figure out. How do I, how can we just get to those points earlier so that we're not finding out three years in like, oh, did you not want to have kids? Like I, I don't <laughs> want to be asking that question later. Right. So it's like, so what I did, and I also knew the dynamics at play of like, I, um, coming from the U S male, like obviously because we're abroad, like have more money as well. And so it's just like this, this dynamic of, and I knew that I'm a verbal processor who tends to like naturally ink, like, you know, will occupy more space if given. And like, Kashish was someone who I knew from her blogs was like much more like loved writing and like yeah. would write her diaries and have thoughts. And so I, what I wanted was a, my inner facilitator came out of like, what's a way for us to be able to share and have our thoughts on the topic without being influenced by each other before we bring it together. Mm-hmm. So it was an Excel sheet with multiple tabs. So we did one tab at a time, a set of like 20 questions based off of the urgency of those questions and like, uh, tab one was what we did for the first week, month that we knew each yeah. other. But like it was, you have a column for feelings, which is like a, how strongly do you feel about this one word? Like super strong, media, uh, medium, indifferent. Indifferent, yeah. And then you have a thoughts column, which is like whatever is in your head. It could be par- at least a paragraph or like or more if you have. And then we both have that. We think about it separately. We put it together in a Google Sheet. And then we have a collective decision column as required. My eyes are glazing over a little bit. Because just you want to talk a little bit <laughs> about what that was like. Oh, when, when you first introduced it to me, I immediately knew he's the right choice. <laughs> because I, as a Virgo, I love planning bullet points, lists, Excel sheets, templates. Do you have a bullet journal? Or? Of course I do. I've been doing it for the past four <laughs> years now. Show, you have to post that on Instagram. Uh, of course. Um <laughs> But even like yesterday, my New Year gift to him was a 45-page template of worksheets of like daily planner, weekly planner. Um, one of the pages is also like annual partner summit where we as a couple reflect on the past year. We were supposed to do it last night, but we both fell asleep. So maybe today, tonight, tonight yeah. Um, interfering with that process. <laughs> um, shout out to Centered Life Co. I took the templates from her. But anyway, like when I saw that and immediately it was so helpful to have um, both of our thoughts together and he could immediately see the difference because his answer to the questions he had put out would be like three, four lines and I had gone like full blown out three paragraphs. Mm -hmm. But it was just helpful because then I'm like, this is tangible in front of me. And there are times where like one of the questions was, if you are angry, how can I help you feel more centered? Or what is the best way to help you when you feel emotional, like tough questions? And sometimes you just forget what the other person needs in that moment. So I find myself going back to the document. I'm like, oh, he likes this friend he wants to talk to. Let me just reach it out to that friend and be like, hey, can you text the rich? Have you made edits to the Excel since filling it out? No. No, it's on our list. (laughs) Yeah. In your bullet journal. Yeah, because he he only created two sheets, the main questions. Mm. I created the next three sheets with all the tiny questions, like who's going to do groceries every week? Who's going to do the laundry? It's important because then I find myself like doing maybe more work, um, especially like when one of us is studying, like last year when I was studying, he did a lot of the household chores and like this year I've taken on it. And it's not healthy sometimes because then I realize like I'm not having time left or like too tired to do things that I want to do for work or professional ways. Um, So it's just helpful to like revisit the sheet and see like, hey, this is working, this is not. 
Um, how can we make it more functioning, easier? I can't wait to interview you again in 20 years and see how your marriage has blossomed and how <laughs> your work life has evolved because oh this is such a great years. foundation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, like, like that's an entire lifetime for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Will be... huh. Maybe with some little ones as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah. they'll have to be playing with some auntie somewhere else. <laughs> you can show pictures. <laughs> that's yeah, great. That'll be lovely. So how has being you know, one of your criteria was being in this meditation practice or at least being okay with the meditation practice. So how has that aspect really infused the relationship or informed the It is the, the most important part. I, yeah. I don't know how we would be functioning if we were not thinking about love or just being centered before entering any conversation, any place, meeting any new person. Definitely provides... Personally, for me, I just, it's just such a point of reflection for me. Um, it gives me a lot of clarity, too, as to what I want in life. And I, I feel blessed that I don't feel as confused about my big life decisions. I know, like, 50 years down the line what to do, even though I don't know tomorrow what's going to happen. But it's just nice to like come back to some grounding principles, some anchoring moments from the day where I can just sit, debrief, like snuggle in my blanket and like be gone and like settle. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, facing my inbox of emails. I love an empty inbox. And there are plenty of emails that come. So it's like, oh, this email can be put in this folder, this email in this folder. And by the end, like I've checked all emails and it's an empty folder once again. And so my thoughts, then it's just nice to see, like, providing such different data points, like, oh, this is occupying my space. Can I do something about it? If not, let it go. <laughs> and if yes, why is it bothering me? Or is it inspiring me? Can I do something about it? Like, there are days where I'm just filled with ideas and I have to, like, get up and, like, jot them down. And then there are days I'm just too restless or thinking about death and grief. And I'm like, yeah, something's on my mind. Um, and then it's just nice because... I realize I'm very much dependent on him for my routines. If he doesn't do it, I'm <laughs> definitely not doing it. Um, which often comes in my sleep routines. I love to be an early sleeper, but if he's awake... <laughs> I love sleeping late. That's the one place where it sounds like there's any small difference. You guys oh, are so compatible. No, no, no. I, <laughs> oh, we have so many opposites. Yeah, he's a dark was, chocolate. I'm a white chocolate person. Oh, but thankfully, we don't have to share chocolates. <laughs> um, he loves songs, podcasts. He needs to listen to that in the mornings. I'm a quiet person. I have to tell him, like, can we not have any music by 9 a.m. in the morning? Like, just please no. And then he's like, I don't like mornings. That's one joy I look forward to. And I'm like, <laughs> were there any cultural differences that stood out that you've had to navigate? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> any advice for like, those of us in cross-cultural in, in, marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because we're like, like I, I'm, I've come to India like almost every year since I was small, and so I'm like fair, like I'm more Indian than like most Indian Americans, but like. I'm probably more Indian than most. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, yeah. I mean, I say that, like, I'm going to get canceled. Oh, no, <laughs> no I, I agree. Knowing you, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely cultural differences. Yeah. yeah. For example, I think now that I'm staying with his family in the States, I do notice a difference. Like when I was a college student, 
and I'm also a newly married um, daughter-in-law, there would be times I would prioritize family over hanging out with friends. And I saw this as a huge difference in making friendships because be making friends as a married person is very different than making friends as a single person. You immediately notice a difference. Um, people view as someone as not relatable because you're committed. Like you don't know what is casual date, stand up, like one night stands and all. And I would notice a difference with him because since I was living with his family, he was more comfortable to communicate with his parents. Like, sorry, we're going to go out and hang out with one of our friends. And like, I, I can tell <laughs> them like, actually, I won't be able to make dinner tonight because I want to hang out with a friend at a bar. And that's one difference I noticed um, that I would prioritize his parents are like yeah. family more and he had more freedom in making decisions for both of us then. Yeah. I would, I, I think, yeah, like a, even I it's some of it's like a cultural thing and then like gender norms also culturally embedded where like I remember the first time that I was off for like an MBA interview and like Kashish called me at like 10 and just was like, hey, like I'm still out, like I'm probably going to stay out longer <laughs> and like at this Halloween party, like, is that okay? And I was like, Kashish, like, Is that you okay? don't have to ask me. Like, you, I had curfew in India. Just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're sharing location. Like, just keep me posted. Like, you don't need my permission to go. Like, I'm literally in a different city right now doing an interview and like walking around and eating pizza. Like, I don't, you, you have fun. Like, don't be alone in the apartment doing nothing. Like, go be with your friends and, and do what you need to do. Um, but I like in talking about the context in which we grew up, like, she always had a curfew. She always had parents that were watching. She always had an expectation that family was like supposed to be prioritized over everything else. And then even then it was like, when we were separate, it's like her family was worried like, oh, how are you going to be staying alone? Versus like, I've lived in, like I was an only child. I had parents that like generally gave me a lot of independence that generally like one, the moment I could start driving in high school, I was off visiting friends and like playing around with how much I could go past the like 11 p.m., sometimes 12 a.m. curfew that they would give me. And then like... Blowing on the edge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I also knew, I knew my own boundaries. And so it's like they trusted yeah. me and like <clears throat> I had enough of that exposure and experience that it's like, yeah, and I lived by myself for many years. It's like I, I think we just had very different, which leads to like different comfort levels and different like expectations that we put on ourselves True. that I think we're still exploring because like I'm much more comfortable advocating and saying certain things or saying that I don't want to do this versus like Kashish. I will try to like think more first about like what would family think about it and then me and I find joy in doing that because that's my way of expressing love for the family um, and for him to express love is more about like if you love me and like have trust in me like can it be unconditional then um, and I think we're rubbing off on each other because I'm starting to become more open and vocal and he's starting to think about like how can I push Kashish to like <laughs> be more on the edge, but also yeah. just like speak up more for myself as well. Yeah, I think it's easy when you know coming from a Western background to assume that you know the way that we operate is superior. Like, oh, women are oppressed and they shouldn't function this way. But when you you know entering that culture and get, like peeking behind the curtain, it's like, well, there's so much. The intention is really love and consideration and care. And when it's done from that authentic place and not out of obligation or, or fear, there's so much beauty in that. Such a mindset shift. It can easily be seen as something different. 
but there's like so much clarity within me like i'm not doing this because i'm sacrificing i'm doing this because it brings me joy it brings me just like pure satisfaction like i'm doing it for someone i love it's like your mom staying awake with you at midnight just because you're sick and coughing she she has a complete choice to just go to sleep and not care about it but it's just not in her nature to right or like my dad just like making sure to check on me every single night when i was in delhi studying alone for 3 years like did you reach home safe did you have fruits did you have curd today <laughs> it's this way of taking care of me in that sense so um yeah i think in the west we have this contempt for what we perceive as oppression yeah and we have a complete misunderstanding of the foundation that it comes from of care and so i'm definitely learning that <laughs> yeah being married to someone from india and and trying to integrate it it's it's really interesting to not know what you don't know mm. and then to encounter it and not understand what you're encountering and then try to have context and syntax for it and then slowly transform yourself like take it on superficially at first and then integrate it more and then your friends i don't know what your experience is you know mm-hmm. we've been married like 8 years a little bit longer than you guys but some of my friends are like why are you like this like how can you do this i'm like it's so natural to me now or i've just surrendered to certain ways that yeah. we function yeah that it's interesting it's interesting to get that lens of judgment or misunderstanding which i had you know not that long ago <laughs> so you had a friend or two visiting kana for the first time yeah 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 i had my friend also visit last time i was here in june july yeah mm, i had a friend from my mba program come and visit as well so it's for you it's kind of the water you swim in what was it like seeing their perspective being here for the first time so my friend she came and visited me for 3 days um she's a friend i made in delhi and currently she's living in hyderabad a lovely friend of mine and someone I I sometimes really have like <laughs> I have a tough time making friends because I just want to be friends with everyone but then later it turns out like we don't have the same thoughts I don't resonate well sometimes I don't reach out as often as I should and just like friendships fall away and especially moving around has been difficult so we were friends only for 4 months before I dropped out of that school so it was tough to keep in touch but somehow we've managed once in a while text each other just checking on each other and i told her like hey i'm in hyderabad in this meditation center if you want to come and visit and stay where we have like plenty of space your food and everything like just come and like i would love to hang out with you and she's someone who's totally down to do that and i remember after 3 days stay when she was about to leave i was like well <laughs> how was your experience and that line will stick with me for like a very long time it was beautiful she said I think like as far like as long as I've known you you've been a little cautious about sharing this part of your life about your meditation life and the community that you have here and in the past 3 days that I've stayed with you it really feels you open your personal life and you invited me in your personal life and made me feel as if a part of it and it feels very sacred of you to do that and then, and I don't know how to thank you for it when I heard that I just I was like mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very sacred, very personal and thank you for realizing that part of my life. So it's it's beautiful. I think it was a good experience. Yeah. And your friend came for how long? 
Yeah, my friend was here, I think, similar for like three days. Wow. He came to <clears> India <throat> and left, or he was? No, no. He was, so he was in India. There's a, a larger like MBA trek. Uh, okay. It was student led, and it was like 30 people traveling for 10 days across India, Taj Mahal, Varanasi, like all this stuff. I'll and, check the boxes. Yeah, yeah. And it was his first time in India, but he's like, oh, he's traveled the world. And he had asked me, we had meditated like one or, once or twice before on campus, and he had asked me, like, hey, do you have any recommendations on like a place? that's like meditation or yoga related that I could go to for these three extra days. Do so, I? <laughs> so I, I FaceTimed him and I was like, um, <laughs> do Find I have a way. place for you? <laughs> like I will be here at these, during these dates, like, and everything will be covered. Just, just show um, up. Um, and I, I, I remember when I, when we went to go like pick him up from the airport, like the thing, the feeling that was so palpable to me as we like entered into the ashram was like, wow, I, forget sometimes because I come here so often, at least like once a year in the last four or five years, that like I forget how amazing this place can be. And like I was lucky enough, like I, I got here a week prior, right? Before I picked him up. And so I had this massive transformation where like my first semester of MBA just finished and I felt so off center <laughs> and like so in a different state of mind. And I come in and I feel that and I feel like so palpably like there is no way I can come out of this. Like I have created my own trap and put myself in it and I'm caught. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this. Four days later, I'm like starting to feel like light come out of nowhere and I'm like feeling hope and I'm like, what is happening? Like this, and I, I'm like, there's no way. And I'm like- This I, guy goes to yoga. He never likes yoga. He's starting to go to yoga now, so. I just decided like, I, I need to move my body and feel connected. <laughs> Doing I, asanas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, and so then like my friend catches me, like I'm picking him up from the airport. He asked me how I'm doing and I'm like, if you had asked me this yesterday, terrible. Today, amazing. <laughs> like in the last 12 hours, I have given like four or five meditation sessions. I have felt the best I've ever felt in the last four or five months. And like, I got, I was just so filled with joy at like sharing with him because I forget how special this place is. And I'm like, you, I am so glad you've come here. Like you, you don't realize like just sitting here makes you feel better. And I like, <laughs> I don't know how or why, but like, it just brings something out of you and like helps you and like come i'm so glad you came and like i think i felt very nervous because i typically only like bringing people here who have meditated like at least for a month you know occasionally or something and like I, you know i feel like if you've experienced heartfulness then you feel it better when you come here and i was trepidatious that he had only like meditated heart with heartfulness twice and he's done other stuff and like i think he was very open to it and he like read the heartfulness way book like audiobook I, I gave it to him a week prior so he had finished almost all of it and he had he had notes ready and I was like okay like <laughs> he's yeah, definitely like, a friend of yours <laughs> notes ready did he have an excel spreadsheet on his <laughs> google docs he's and also just a very open person he was very great. and like I think it worked out like I think he he hadn't told me he's like I don't know if you knew this but like I'm actually very interested in afforestation oh, and yeah. like regenerative agriculture and how to make that happen and so he's like when I read about this place like it seemed like you had suggested a place that you already knew was in line with what I was interested in. Incidentally. Incidentally. And so we, we had a wonderful time. And yeah, like I think it just like, I could feel a shift in myself during that time. And I think he could also feel just a general shift of like, the one thing he pointed out, and I think it was a general India thing, was like, 
he's like people are so hospitable like there's so much hospitality and like where there's no need for it's almost like this there's no boundary where there reasonably could be right and like one example was like we were trying to find the yoga room because i was taking him to yoga class and i forgot where it was and we asked the security guard and the security guard was like yeah you just go upstairs and it's the left and you'll turn to right and like he took us, he walked us up till the stairs. We took up the stairs. Apparently he, the security guard took the elevator, met us at the top of the stairs just to make sure that we found exactly where the room was. And he point, he turned to me and he's like, only in India. Like this is such an Indian thing of like, people will go out of their way to make sure that you're taken care of because they know the answer and why not give it to you and make sure that you like are taken care of. I love that. Yeah. So you were talking a little bit about your experience here. So I want to go a bit into some of your experiences in this practice. Now, you know, I guess this is where we kind of enter a caveat because we don't want to make this about like, oh, I had this amazing experience. Yeah. And it's like you sometimes when we talk about our experiences, people feel like, oh, I haven't had that yet. And there's Absolutely. something wrong with there's some deficit. Right. So it's sharing under the under the. Um, intention of like possibility and knowing that we're all on different paths, having different experiences, like yeah. but also <laughs> that this is so magical and cool. And there's ways that we can experience that and True. and motivate us to keep going. So what, um, you know, we were, we recently released, well, not we, Daji recently released Spiritual Anatomy. And so he talks a lot about the points, the chakras, and how they correlate specifically with different conditions and different experiences. Yeah. Do you feel like you can, I mean, I was reading it and I was like, oh, that happened then, that happened then. Not mm -hmm. everything was one-to-one, -one, but there was, yeah. there. it was really nice to read it retroact retroactively. Um, is there any place in the book that resonated with you in terms of your journey through the? Yeah. I. I'm on page 80 currently of the book. And so one thing definitely that stood out for me from the book was, I believe it mentioned about three types of attitude you need towards practice. And that was liveliness, humility, and urgency. Um, and what really stood out me, to me, the word was liveliness. If I were to sum up my last year, 2023, I believe it was a journey to be lively again because I think I got really lost into this idea of like, I'm married and like, it's all about family now. It's all about like giving up what you love and all. And I was, I was talking to like people like you and like other friends I had and it's like, no, like you can be joyful too. Like, <laughs> or something like, you're, like you don't have to attach yourself to other people. Like, yes, you can serve them and be happy with them or like have, share joy with them. But you also need to find like joy within yourself or like you need to value yourself equally. Um, and this was, it's, it did not happen necessarily because of marriage. It was maybe like conversations or like some incidents that triggered off that, I don't know, emotion. And once you get triggered off everything you see and start seeing in that lens, right? And when I read that word liveliness and like approaching your practice or even approaching life with liveliness and Basically for me, like enthusiasm and passion. I was just talking to my father-in-law the other day and I was asking him like, if there's one skill or like one thing you definitely want your children to have, what would it be? And he's like, passion or enthusiasm for life. You can like be all saint-like, give up on life and, you know, transcend everything. But then what's the joy that 
you've taken your like this birth for like what's pushing you to live forward for another day what are you living for like it's easy to die for right um but what is something that's keeping you alive and it's like tuning in more and more to that joy to that liveliness like how can i bring life into everything i do and how can i like anytime i see this guy depressed or like slipping into that phase of like i'm sad i'm just i'm like yo get up <laughs> like we need to go out, like be lively again like um i believe my inner nature is happiness and anytime i feel sad it's literally the silliest of things or maybe some big feelings i haven't learned to process yet or i just need to sit it down cry it out or just find someone to blame or who can take that emotion like just it's not that person's fault but just like let it let me speak to that about it and once that's gone and disappeared two months later i find myself fake laughing and then actually laughing and just like huh, that was just <laughs> that wasn't so bad now <laughs> and it's just starting to get better day by day then so i really like that concept of liveliness towards anything yeah that's a good reminder yeah mine is very different <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Um, I would say like, I have a moment, this is like several years ago, but like I would, in general, especially when talking about spiritual anatomy, like it's, I like went to Georgia Tech and like, that's also the time that I became an instructor. So I think it was very, very innate to the way I think and the way that I teach as well is, is like being pretty methodical about like the way that we collect the data from like how we're feeling because I having grown up around hurtfulness it's like you like you mentioned in the caveat earlier it's like you grow up hearing so many different stories of like so and so came to me in the form of this and blah blah blah, blah. and it's like, you're like uh, and, and so when I remember when I first meditated ever I it was like on a marble floor in front of you know Chariji and there's a hundred people behind me and like it was an hour and 20 minutes and typically it shouldn't be more than an hour. I don't know. <laughs> and then like, I remember all I could think about was like chocolate and my to-do list. And I, I felt so like deflated afterwards. Cause I was like, I felt nothing. Like I thought I was supposed to feel something and go into the Zen zone and like achieve something. And anyways, I, I think what, what led me, like what I realized later on in my journey was that like, it's, it's a lot like, you have to put in the work and start collecting the data and you start noticing things over time. And the, the more you observe, the more you're able to appreciate because things are often happening at a very subtle level. And like our lives are not typically even attuned to what's happening inside. Um, and so, yeah, it was really like, I've spent probably a year or two just like working with my instructor of like, he would just ask me after every session of like, do you feel any vibrational difference like mm -hmm. left versus right? And at first, I would be like, sure, like maybe my left side feels <laughs> vibrationally lighter, but I don't know what that means. And like, maybe it's just because I worked out or like I'm, you know, feeling anxious or whatever. He's like, it's okay, just write it down. And it got to a point where it's like, I do enough of the like top versus bottom, left versus right, that like I could actually feel almost unequivocally that like, no, no, like in the middle of the session, I, there was a vibration here and then it just stopped. And then there was a vibration here and then like, and then I could write it down and then he would write it down and then we would compare and I'd be like, whoa, like halfway, you also felt the vibration shift? Like, okay, there's something here that's maybe not just my body. It's like something in the world of thoughts and the mental sphere and the spiritual space. And so then I, I think the one moment that I had was like, I was, um, I, I, I was in, I was in my third year 
Um, and I had, like I was doing internship interviews and I had somehow stumbled upon like consulting interviews and like I wasn't planning on doing an internship, but somehow I, I threw my resume and I got asked to do like a final round interview. So I was two interviews in and I'm like freaking out. Like I've never done a case interview. I never thought to do consulting. All of my friends had like spent months preparing for these interviews and I felt very much like very under the water and like over overwhelmed. But I knew at that point I was like, I, I just need to keep meditating. I just need to like, it, it calms me down or it does something. And I remember the morning of the interview, I'm like, okay, I've done whatever I can. And I like, let me just sit to sit to meditate. And I could feel the, like, I was very aware of the anxiety that I was facing. And when I sat to meditate, I could feel just like an overwhelming amount of vibration, like in the top right. And it was so clear, like there was without a doubt. And I was like, this is the vibration that I'm feeling is like, I'm very anxious about this, of like messing up this interview. And I'm feeling a ton of vibration in the top right. And then I like, was like, I'm pretty sure this is related. And like, after the interview happened, I like checked the book and it was like, yep, fear and courage. Fourth point, point top right. And I was like, okay, I think there's something here. <laughs> like, I think they're related. And that was really like encouraging, I, I would say. It's like, you can, you don't need to like read something in order for it to work out. You could feel it, collect the data yourself. And then when you feel ready for it, like go back and, and actually triangulate and be like, okay, like th this is this is something. It can work both ways. Like you read about it and you geek out about it and then you kind of don't really understand or you forget, but then yeah. you experience it in the field in your in your system. Yeah. And then that's what I love about spiritual anatomy. It's, you know, we've read Babaji's writings yeah. over time, mm -hmm. but, you know, it, it's it's a little bit meatier, I guess yeah. I would say. Yeah. And so reading it again in a, in a more modern, accessible way, it's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and having more experience under your belt, it's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Like I've swum in that water a little bit or I've dipped my toe in that water or yeah. I've seen <laughs> I've seen it from afar. So it's really quite an adventure. That is true. Well, I know you guys have some things to check off your bullet journal. So <laughs> 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 you're yeah. going to go do your New Year's intention. <laughs> Annual partner summit. Yeah, partners. Uh -huh. yes. But it's been really lovely talking and laughing with you and getting to know you a little bit more every yes. time we connect. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy thank your you. chatting. I really us. enjoyed this. Yeah. It was really fun. All right. All right. Enjoy your next your next <laughs> cycle of the sun. Stay tuned for the next one. In 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Let's do it. All right. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of KanaCast. Please follow and subscribe to KanaCast on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. Until next time, woof woof.